Okay, great. So for our first uh, podcast, we thought it would be fun to get the uh, the three of us, the founders of Learn Academy together to kind of talk about why we started this thing uh, basically five years ago, uh, where things are going and what we're you know passionate about with the community and what we're doing with our students and the companies and things like that. Uh, so today I have with us uh, Rob Kaufman, uh, one of the founders of Learn Academy, also the founder of Notchate, uh, and uh, Matt Clark, our third partner at Learn Academy. And I'm excited to kind of tell everyone about uh, the origin of Learn. I think that I'm mostly excited because I don't think the three of us have actually told the story at the same time in the same room. So I'm mostly interested in seeing how uh, that all meshes together. Uh, because I think that I've heard, like I've heard Rob's individual uh, experience of like his version of how Learn Academy started and how Matt's version of how Learn Academy started. And you know, I obviously know my own version, uh, but I think it'll be interesting for the three of us to kind of hear uh, what our thoughts are and where things uh, st got started. So, Rob, I think that you should probably start us off. Thanks, Jill. Um, yeah, I think to understand how Learn came about, that you have to actually take a step back to the sister company, to Notch 8. So, um, back in 2005, I went to work for Matt uh, at a little startup here in San Diego that's still kicking around. And we were together for about two, two and a half years. Um, during that time, my big life goal was to start my own company. The goal was to do it by the time I was 30. Um, at 26, I was working for a startup, which is 60 some hours a week, and then doing about 20 hours of consulting on the side to try and kind of up leverage it. And I sort of realized, one, that I was making about as much money working 20 hours a week as I was 60 hours a week. That's a problem. Uh, and two, the money at the startup got tight, and you learn a lot about the people you're working with when that happens. So um, sure. we both went our separate ways, and I you know, hung out my shingle and thought I'd try consulting for about six months and then reevaluate. Um, there were a lot of compromises in my personal life to make that work. Um, probably the big one was the person I was living with at the time uh, would have been insanely jealous if I had uh, got to sleep in every day. So every morning I would wake up at 6.30 and still shower and dress and like go into the office. Um, the office being your living room. Yeah, no, when we, when we uh, moved so that uh, she would be closer to her work, it cut her commute in half, but it tripled mine because we got a staircase. Um, so it was much further to get to the office every day. So for the first, you know, four some years of Notch 8, it was just me uh, doing my own thing. Um, and then fast forward to some life events and a lot of things happening. Uh, Matt talked me into uh, coming out to Wisconsin to work on the relaunch of photos.com for Getty Images, which is the team he was leading at the time. Um, so I spent, I came out in August. Uh, it started snowing in September that year. February of that year, it never reached zero degrees Fahrenheit. It was negative temperature all. So the coldest year in Madison, I think in like 70 years. Month long. So I was moving back to the West Coast, um, going back to consulting, and uh, Matt mentioned that he was interested in learning more about consulting. At the time, I was really torn about what to do with Notch 8 and had been thinking about shutting it down. Um, I usually am long to make a decision, but once I've decided, I just go full force on that decision. Um, but not this time. This time I went back and forth and back and forth. I would decide in the morning that I needed to, to shut Nachi down and go get a real job. And then by the afternoon, I'd be like, I can't do it. It's my baby. I can't can't do it. Let's, let's be clear. My goal in having you in Madison was to give you that real job up there. Yeah. And that backfired terribly for the company I was working for because I left with you. Yeah. So, I, so I took Matt home with me. Um, and uh, I'll let you pick up the story there. Kind of the next couple of years of Notch 8. Yeah, so from there we grew Notch 8 uh, to, uh, it was just you and I for a couple of years, but we quickly realized we needed to to build and add, uh, add more folks, more and more folks until, um, kind of fast forward a little bit until we were working with 
another code school up in Portland, Oregon. Well, at that point, well, you had two offices. So you had an office here. You, Rob was working here in San Diego. You were up in Portland. Right. Yeah, I was and living so in Portland at that point. Yeah. You were, at that point, decided to kind of grow the, the office up in Portland and, and take right. off some more people. Right. Right. Exactly. So we, we partnered up with the code school up there uh, and brought in four interns and started essentially started a, an office uh, with with those four people and it worked out great and we really really enjoyed uh, working with them and and helping them get started in their careers and so well when Matt says we partnered with this code school like our office was their conference room yeah 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 like we took over their conference room and that was our office for the first year right right exactly and from there um, was then the conversation started uh, between you guys that this there's nothing like uh, that code school in San Diego and so we started to um, pick Michael's brain who was running um, uh, the Epicotus up in Portland and uh, he's a he's a great guy and really a mentor to me and, and I think a, a big part of the foundation of uh, learn down here on what it takes to run a school and and try to start putting that idea together down here and realized that there's a real need for that in the community that San Diego is a growing tech uh, community and and uh, we could be a big part of that and become a, a central piece of it and so <clears throat> I had kind of you know, we threw on the idea back and forth and you know maybe chatted about it a little bit but it hadn't really sold on me at that point I was working for Notch 8 and working full-time for another startup <clears throat> and um, Matt was running the team in Portland and I was just kind of barely keeping my hand in um, so the last thing I needed was another venture um, and so it kind of dragged me kicking and streaming <laughs> towards it but Chelsea and I had this weird week where um, one of our close friends was talking about um, getting up, giving up this really cool apartment in North Park and moving to Omaha to go to a good school because there wasn't one in San Diego or Southern California at the time. Um, and then Chelsea, one of your cousins reached out to us and wanted to have dinner with us to talk about going to a good school. Yeah, that he was looking for his next thing and wanted to get into technology but didn't really know how. Yeah. And so we sat down and had dinner with him and tried to talk to him about his options. But like you said, at that point, there were no code schools in Southern California. And so there weren't, that wasn't really an option uh, for him. So it was like talking about, oh, do I go back to a four year degree or whatever? And so, yeah, that's when there were a series of events that kind of brought us. And I came at it from a really different perspective because my background wasn't in technology at all that like I before learn was the managing director of a theater company and uh, was doing some very different things in essence except that what I was doing at the theater company was building a community and building out their education program and running the business of this theater and that it turned out that that was the part that we were kind of missing in this team as, as we got uh, started, which is when I came on to kind of help with that part of it, that my experience in education and community and business development was like the last piece of the puzzle right before we launched. Right. For sure. Right. Yeah. And it all culminated for me. And I went to SD Ruby at the end of that week and it just happened to be that month that there were five companies hiring uh, and one person that was looking for work. Um, and at that point, that person's like raises their hand saying they're looking for a job and they're like almost nervous about being mobbed. Um, <laughs> and one of the companies here in San Diego is actually considering moving to Austin because they couldn't find enough developers or possibly switching from a Rails platform to a PHP platform so that they could offshore it. And it's just like, that's not okay, right? Like there's just too many things happening that say that we have to do this. So I was driving home from, usually go and have happy hour and stuff after SD Ruby. It's like one o'clock in the morning, I'm driving home and I'm like, I think we have to do this. Like I think that the universe is just like screaming at us that this has to happen. And I remember talking to you at our, cause we used to do that Friday rundown every week on the company mm -hmm. uh, and telling you about it. And you said, well crap Rob, there goes my weekend. <laughs> and all weekend long you're like texting me business plans and like people who owned code school related domains in San Diego. And right, right. <laughs> um, 
and so you know from there it was a matter of like going I, I came up for a week and hung out with the folks at Epicotus, uh, went to San Francisco and talked to some people that were doing code schools there. Um, a friend of mine runs uh, was running Galvanize at the time, so went out and talked to him a little bit, just sort of started doing the research. Um, and then Chelsea and I uh, went somewhere special to spend a whole day doing business planning for it and like really talking about the rubber meets the road part. Right, right. Yeah, the, and the Notch 8 experience, I think, came back into play and being really important because we realized that the, the school really is a connection between developers and uh, the business and industry. And so um, how, you know, of course, how Notch 8 works with clients is very different, but those relationships are still important and something that uh, we leveraged in those early days on, and, uh, you know, okay, what does, what do our, our clients need? What do we need as, a, as somebody, as Notch 8, who hires employees? And so we really structured those early um, learn classes around uh, specifically what, uh, what we saw a need for in, re in real business and real, uh, real development teams. Yeah, I think that's still true that, that today Notch 8 is such an important part of how the classroom is shaped, not just in those first few years, but still that like Notch 8 has been a place where we can tap the industry and have our finger on the pulse of what's happening. What are people building things in? What tools are they using in their day-to-day -day workplace so that we can make sure that the students that are coming out to learn are coming out with those skills and can be productive on day one of the job. Because one of the big problems I think we realized early on was that people were finding, you know, a, a, a new employees that were maybe coming out of a CS degree and things like that, but the onboarding process of getting them up and going was so long and so hard that that it wasn't worth it, that they needed people that were more productive faster. And that was one of the problems I think we went out to try and solve. Yeah, yeah, that was for sure. I mean, it was a, an opportunity for us to really get um, to know people coming through the program first. So, you know, Notch 8 has continued to take advantage of that and we really love uh, the opportunity to, to work with folks who graduate from the program. In fact, I see. way more than half of our employees at this point are yeah. not graduates. We actually have to work to hire people that aren't from there. Right. Um, and I say all the time that we're probably the only consultancy or only software house in San Diego that doesn't have a hiring problem. Right. Yeah. Everyone I talk to, every CTO meeting I go to, every time I'm out in the community, people are telling me how hard it is to find developers. And so, um, and I think that to go back to what you were saying, Chell, about the, the notch eight, you know, and learn kind of being mirrors of each other, like it, it goes down to the day, right? Like in the morning, you come in at notch eight, you do a stand up, figure out what you're going to work on, you pair up, you do that work for the afternoon, maybe you touch base a little bit in the evening, and then you go home. And every day, you know, it's sort of that cycle. And at Learn, we come in in the morning and we do a stand-up. We figure out what challenges we're going to work on. Maybe in the afternoon, you get back together and have a little discussion about it and see how the day went, answer questions. And, right. you, you know, like, the, 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 we want the last day of group projects and the first day of your internship should feel like the exact same thing in a different place. And the last day of your internship and the first day of your full-time job should feel like the same thing. And maybe it's a different place, but for a large percentage of our students, it's the same place. Um, and that that's you know a huge difference from like I worked for Johnson and Johnson, and they expected three to six months to on-ramp a CS person before they made their first commit to the code base, like the first right. like approved thing to go to production, right? And we see our interns are you know day two. They're taking code live and they're freaking out on Slack because the code <laughs> they wrote yesterday is going live now, and that, that that's both really exciting for them, but also a little terrifying. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think though that like that early mission of um, you know how do we get to know developers, uh, that was certainly true, but it's evolved to so much more than that. I think the sustaining mission of learn at this point and, and you know why we do what we do and why we grow in the direction we grow in is for me at least very personally is very very different it's very it's much more about changing people's lives and the impact we have in the community uh, just this morning um, with stand we, we do stand up in the class every day like you mentioned and the class and the question was you know rank in order of importance for your first job 
Is it money? Is it location? Is it the company mission? Is it your daily tasks? And um, and of course, I was in part of that setup and had to answer that question. And for me, undoubtedly, I, my answer would have been different a year ago, but undoubtedly now that I'm in the classroom every day is um, the mission of the company. I think that's unbelievably important, um, an important role that we play in, and to see that uh, people's uh, lives are changed for the better every single day is, uh, you know, I think it's what Learn's all about, at least for me. When we see real impact, right? Mm -hmm. Like one of our goals at Learn is to grow the community, and that's, you know, our mission statement. And fundamentally, one of the ways we've talked about envisioning that, like Chelsea led us on this really good exercise where we like figured out what that was and tried to distill it down, but that um, it doesn't just mean more people, it means lots of different kinds of people. And things like code meetups that used to be 60, 70 people, maybe one female participant in the entire group, and now they're trending more towards like 20, 30%. Mm -hmm. um, and that's not a solved problem by any stretch, no one thinks it is, but that's huge progress. Right, and that the same people coming over and over again, as opposed to, you know, having um, one person of you know an underrepresented minority show up one time and get freaked out and never come back, um, like that we've seen like really tangible um, change in yeah. the San Diego eco ecosystem um, from Learn alumni like being involved and, and getting out there, and so that's been really huge. Um, I think that. I've always said that the whole purpose of doing Notch 8 was I wanted to learn how to make products. I wanted to learn what made projects succeed, what made them fail, and I wanted to make a living while I did it um, as fast as possible. And if you had told me 15 years ago, 10 years ago, that the first product to spawn out of Notch 8 would be a face-to-face in-person service, <laughs> I'd have been like, no, 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 I'm, I'm on the internet, maybe you've heard of it. Um, I'm definitely you know, doing things at scale. and But the way that Learn has scaled has been been really phenomenal and it is by far the most rewarding thing I've ever done like yeah. you know oh 100% everybody says about their business that they're changing lives right like that's such a trite statement but it learned it really does seem like we're empowering people to change their own lives right. which is a much more lasting effect right right yeah so what would you guys say you know now we're you know four and a half years in what would you say are the biggest surprises From the get-go, the biggest surprise for me is the percentage of non-technical stuff that goes into the Learn curriculum, right? I thought as long as we nailed the coding part that everybody was good, high five, we're done here. Um, and that's really only about 75-80% of the journey. Um, we spend a lot of time on imposter syndrome, we spend a lot of time helping people like find their confidence, um, teaching basic study skills sometimes. Um, like helping students find their voice, um, not just, um, like you can tell when you're, some, you're interviewing somebody and they're trying to pretend to be somebody else to get the job. Um, and so like finding ways to package their story in a positive way. Um, like I'll talk to somebody, I talked to a, a student the other day who told me their story and they basically said, you know, well, I did this, and then I got laid off, so then I went and did that other thing, and then that was okay, but you know, then I got laid off from that too, and so then I decided to be a programmer. And I'm like, no, that's not your story. Like, that's, I mean, like, that's a version of your story, but it's not the right version of your story to tell somebody in a job interview. Let's try it again. Like, you, you know, were really excited about math, and so you decided to become a teacher, but it turns out that, that that's a really tough gig in the state of California or really in America in general, um, and that, you know, it, it was draining, and so you wanted to find a way to, like, be more hands on. You know, and so then you moved on to this other thing, and that was really hands-on, but it was really grueling on your body, and so now you're trying to find a way to combine those two things, and programming takes all that passion for math and teaching and learning that you had, combines it with like actually building real things that are tangible in the world, and you know, that that's where you see your future, right? Like, it's the same story, it just has some energy in it, and isn't, you know, sort of the, that, like, I'm terrible, um, sort of, sort of perspective, and I think that one of the things we spend a lot of time on at Learn is the career development piece, um, and helping people like really craft their things. Um, and there can be, 
I don't know. I, I, I've, I've learned that um, questions are the biggest um, like barrier to getting a job, right? So you go to an interview and the, you walk out of the interview and the three people that met with you go, you know, what was with the pencil in the person's, behind the person's ear, right? Like they just have like some random question. And especially if it's a question that they can't answer easily, right? Or something that they can't like tell you is the reason that they didn't hire you. Like, you know, you had broccoli in your teeth or whatever the whole time. Um, that, that those things are the real barrier. It's not like, oh, I don't have X skill or I don't have Y skill. We know we're going to teach you things. We know you don't know things, right? Every programmer in the world doesn't know everything. Um, and anyone that thinks they do is the worst person to work with. Like, that's not what you want on your team. We know that's going to be full of training and learning. And so it's not that. That's not what keeps you from getting a job. It's often some little thing. Right, um, you know, I tell the story of a student who just had a really angry thinking face, and had gotten had worked in finance and had had trouble finding a job in finance. Came through the program, their uh, first interview, the feedback was they seemed like they were pissed the whole time. Um, we talked about that and tried to do it in a supportive way, you know. And the next day, he's sitting in the classroom and he's like looking to some of his uh, the other people in his cohort, the other students. He goes. Do I, do I have an angry thinking face? <laughs> and the woman sitting next to him goes, oh yeah, totally, you definitely have rusty bitch face. Like all the time, we thought you hated us. And so like like those little things can be deal breakers in an interview. Right. You, don't, yeah. you don't call somebody, have HR call somebody after an interview and be like, so were you pissed <laughs> when you were talking to us? You seem really angry, right? And it's not, it's just the expression he wears on his face when he's not paying attention. And so like finding a way to uh, literally with him, we, we finally had him bring it up in an interview, right? We said the first time somebody asks you a technical question, the first thing you say after they ask you the question is, just so you know, everyone tells me I have an angry thinking face. I'm not angry. This is just how hard my brain works. <laughs> and I can't tell you for sure that that was the solution, but he did get that job. Right, right. So those things surprised me. That's not what I was expecting. Right. I thought it was all going to be the technical side, and it turns out that the journey is a lot more complicated than that. Yeah, that's for sure. Lots of different... Yeah. There's so many different paths into it, but it's not linear in any way. Well, and it's such a huge thing for the students, right? Like, they're giving up substantial time and money. They're asking their friends and family to cover for them, right? Like, you don't have time to do a lot of the other things you're doing when you're trying to do a boot camp. Right. We call it a boot camp because we're going to kick your butt, right? And so... Like, it's a huge investment, and it's it's terrifying, right? Like, we get down to the internship picking. They're, you know, you get students that are agonizing. They're up all night. They're, like, asking everyone, like, well, there's these three companies. Which one should I interview with? And, which like, which one do I rank first? And which one do I rank second? And you sit down and you talk to them. And I'm like, okay, well, what's the worst one? Oh, no, they're all awesome. I'd be super happy at any of them. You spend three days freaking out about which one's first. They're all great. Like, what's the what's the penalty there? It's because it feels like it's the most important decision in their entire lives. Right? They, they feel like that everything they do in the future hinges on this moment. And so it becomes this really huge thing. And so trying to help them get perspective on, like, if they're all good options, they're all good options. And, you know, you're not going to have buyer's remorse if what you do works out. And so I think that that's been, been really interesting. Just the emotional investment is big. In yeah. Yeah, I'd say the most surprising thing for me, and feeding off that a little bit, is just the diversity of the stories, um, the people's backgrounds and the, and the places that they come from and the ability for change in every person that I've met and seen go through the program. Uh, you know, it's a small thing and it's a subtle thing sometimes, but it's truly foundational and groundbreaking, I think, to see somebody, you know, who you wouldn't typically expect to be a typical uh, uh, software developer decide this is what they want to do and then they give you these amazing compelling reasons uh, for doing it and then just through sheer gut and determination and grit um, make that happen for themselves like that I'll never stop being surprised about that every single time I hear one of those stories and see one of those stories and uh, you know we see 20 of them every cohort so it's a it's a pretty amazing amazing place to be yeah, it's really awesome to meet, you know, a young single mom whose whole goal is to be able to work from home and find some sort of right. peace or balance, 
Um, you know, it's really awesome to see folks re-entering the workforce that have been out of it for 10 or 15 years um, for whatever reason. Um, yeah. It's, you know, folks that went down the business track and have been managing developers for a long time and are having a hard time finding technical co-founders. Yeah. Just want to understand the language. Yeah, it's places you don't expect. People come from just, you know, every single industry, every single yeah. level of experience, which is great. Yeah, and I think for me, the going a little off of what Rob was saying with the emotional weight of it all, that from the beginning, we have been really fortunate to have people work for us who are equally emotionally invested in the people that are coming through, that the people really care and want to help them through this journey, that we recognize that weight and, and want to get them where they want to go. But for me, as as one of the founders and and the person that's you know running this team, the thing that was surprising to me was how to help the staff manage those emotions. Like how to, how do we make yeah. it so that the staff isn't burning out because they are constantly holding the weight of all of these people and feel, like going home every day, going oh how can I get that person to like do go through the job interview process in a certain way and help them fix and so there's all of these people within the organization that are also holding all of that. And what can we do yeah. as leaders of the organization to help them do it successfully, help them not burn out? Like, right. so that to me that that's been a really big challenge in creating the culture of this organization so that people can take on that weight because we can't not have that because that was yeah. such a big part of the community we were building. And those inflection points aren't where you think they are. They come, you know, they're they're fairly common, you know, places where students get nervous or, you know, imposter syndrome or things like that and, and the staff knows to jump in and help. But, but it's not, it, it was surprising to me, I agreed that just the ability to adapt and, and, uh, and, and rise to what's going on in the classroom. It's hard, but uh, our staff does a great job. We well, had some early discussions when we were first doing group projects about how we had a conflict resolution unit that's better to teach in the moment of conflict, right? And so there was some discussion about like, do we need to, to figure out a way to manufacture conflict or whatever? <laughs> and every group projects, we, we, the answer is no, we don't. We don't try and like put certain people together because we know they're gonna get on each other's nerves or like go in and like mess up the code so that there's merge conflicts or any of that kind of thing. But that, that conflict always happens in group projects and you can't, to my knowledge, guess who it's gonna be, right? It can be the most laid back people in the classroom Mm -hmm. um, that you know, or people that you think would never ever get along in a million years, they get along great, and people that you think should never have a problem with each other, and they're like on each other's last nerve. Right. Um, and that that's an important part because when you're working with coworkers, there is conflict, and knowing like real ways to resolve that, as opposed to just like rage quitting, is important and is a big part of of working life, especially when developers on the whole don't have a reputation for being as emotionally intelligent. So your coworkers may not have ever had, like I went through a CS program, we didn't have group project conflict resolution section. We had group <laughs> projects, we had plenty of, of conflict in them, but there was no, like this is how you navigate that. And so it's really interesting to see uh, how little you can predict the, the class and, and the way it's going right. to and, and like you were saying the classroom is really structured after a normal work day and so there's pairing and there's all the the typical or the, the normal things that you would find in a company setting and so uh, getting those the skills to handle uh, working with your coworkers I think is a big part of, of uh, what you come away with for sure so Chelsea what um, I'll ask you questions. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what um, What are some challenges you didn't expect uh, that we now have identified as really important to our mission? What 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 do we solve for our students, or what do we help our students uh, achieve that we didn't expect to be doing in those early days? Hmm. Well, I do think that, you know, a lot of it, we worked through the curriculum and, and we have this like stack that we teach and 
they they get the technical side of it but i do i i agree with rob that it's the emotional it's the soft skills it's the like how to be a part of a team how to collaborate how to be a part of a community that i think was bigger than i thought and and more important than i originally assumed that i was like oh great we're gonna train developers they're gonna go out and find jobs and it's gonna be awesome uh, but what I think we realized along the way was that we needed to create a, a bigger community of people that were passionate about learning and passionate about development. And I think that, you know, we found out pretty quick and we were able to uh, really bring in some great partners and that we work with a lot of different organizations. And I would say probably a big portion of what I do every day is making those connections in the community and bringing those other organizations in to learn or learn into those opportunities that like if I can bring a speaker into our classroom to talk to our students that the students then see that person out in the world out in the community the getting a job is going to be a million times faster because they were able to kind of make those connections and feel good about being going to a meetup and being like hey you spoke in my class and that was really great and you know tell me more about what you're doing it makes it that much easier to get a job but like helping that that community it wasn't something that you could just go to a meetup and you would all of a sudden like be a part of everything that we needed to create that bridge for them in either us being at the meetups or bringing the meetups to them that it, it was a bigger process than I think I was initially thinking it was going to be. Yeah, I mean, there was some early wins there that, um, like, we figured out that one thing that was a barrier to getting ladies to go to some of the technical meetups is they don't want to be the only woman there. And if every woman doesn't want to be the only woman there, then <laughs> there's no women that show up. Right. And so, you know, that um, one of our instructors was like, oh, yeah, you know, I, I think that it's like, um, she, originally she said it was like going to the bathroom it's better if you do it together and so she basically said it's my philosophy on that subject I'm going <laughs> I'm going to SD Ruby and does anyone want to go with me right and then they would set up a carpool and uh, especially when it was at UCSD it would be hard to find the first time and so like they would all meet outside of UCSD together and then carpool in and so it just gave everyone that sense of belonging and that, that safety that's really good. Um, and so things like that that, you know, seem, again, they seem obvious in retrospect, right? Like, oh, yeah, if you get a group of people to go, they're more likely to show up than if you try and get people individually. But that wasn't something that, you know, was necessarily clear at the time. Um, the other thing that I think that's actually been a surprising that's gone easier than I thought it would be is the internship part. And there's a ton of work that goes into it. I don't want to downplay that, right? But the first set of intern partners were literally the people I was having lunch with one day uh, at a conference. Um, so I was at RubyConf when it was in San Diego, and like I'm at lunch, and like my whole goal that day was to start talking to people about intern partners. And so I pitched what we were doing and what the internship program would look like, and that the commitment I needed was I needed some logos to put on the website and to have the first set of interviews booked, right? And so for that first group of six students, like we had five or six possible intern partners. We knew that we weren't gonna, you know, um, and I walked away from that table with that set, right? And from there, it's grown to be this, um, like it takes constant gardening and takes constant work, um, mostly because getting like busy developers and CEOs and CTOs to do things is like herding cats, but um, that, you know, most of the intern partners are people that I don't personally have any network connections to, right? They're working in platforms that we've never worked with. They're, um, you know, we're, Nachita is now getting business from people that come in and know about Learn first and then find out about us. And so that's been a really cool transition that I thought would honestly take longer than it has. Um, you know, that we're, we've worked with so many more companies than we thought we would get to. Um, and then we see class after class now where there are, as many or more intern opportunities as there are interns. And that that is a huge thing to see the community perpetuating. You and I talked early days about how one non-monetary marker for success would be the first time uh, alumni answered a student's question in Slack, right? An event that now happens a couple times a week. 
Um, and in fact, we've seen students and alumni answering former instructors' questions in Slack, which is super cool. Um, and the, the, the next big milestone that I thought was in the, our five to six year range was alumni hiring each other. Right, the first time you get alumni is hiring interns or coming back and participating in an internship program. That happens. And that happens a lot now, way sooner than I thought it was going to. And as we creep in past 300, like it's gonna just keep going bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, and that network is a, is a big thing, you know, in, in even not even first jobs, second, third, and fourth jobs. People reaching out to their classmates and saying, hey, what are you doing right now? We're looking for developers or, you know, you know, sort of bringing along the next generation, is that's really exciting. Well, to me, that's a testament to the community that's been built, right, that we, our students are coming through the program and it's not just like, hey, I'm gonna sign up for this class and take this class and then go do my thing. They're like coming into this group of people that all wanna help them and so they as students are getting all of this um, support from community members, from former alumni and all that, but by the time they graduate, they're so excited to then be the person that gets to give back. Right. That like, when we, on our on the first day of class, we uh, you know provide lunch for everyone, not just the, the class that is starting, but the class that's halfway through. And so the class that's halfway through gets to be the experts in that uh, moment. And it's right. such an exciting point that like they then get to give back. And I think that that's what we've seen with our internship program, that the students are now you know, not just answering questions, but hiring each other and, and creating this community of, hey, we all like went through this thing together and now I wanna help the next person do that because someone helped me. Right, right. Yeah, we have an unbelievably diverse community, don't we? It, with uh, you know, it's not people who graduated high school went to a uh, computer science program and then went out and got a job, right? We've got people who come from uh, sales and, and design and marketing and, and uh, a lot of accounting uh, sort of backgrounds and things like that. And so they're just interesting people to talk to, and, and that leads to um, taking interesting. Uh, career paths as once you get out of learn. I think that that uh, just where people go, uh, you know, we build off of the, the what, what was before learn, we kind of build that into learn and then build off of that as, as you launch out. So uh, it's amazing uh, how, how many different things people go on to do, which is great. Yeah, lots of really unique stories and mm-hmm. both, you know, pre-learn, during learn and after learn. Um, and I think it's just, it's been really fun to see, now that we're you know four years in to the program being live, that um, you know people that are going from junior to mid or moving into senior that are you know starting their own things and then looking to, to get learn support for that, and it's just been really cool to, to watch that continue to blossom. Um, and some of the little tiny startups we worked with in that first segment are gone and some of them are 200 people now and so like that's a that's a really fun thing to be be in the thick of for sure yeah i think that that's another really exciting part of it for me was that we have all these great stories from our students which are as matt said they're so diverse and they're coming from so many different backgrounds but the other side of it is that we have these organizations that we've been able to help grow and so you can see the impact on on that side of it as well that you know we have the ones that started out in the beginning and took on a couple interns and and maybe they kind of they hire them on and they keep going and they kind of disappear for a while but then a year later we like get this message that's like hey we're hiring again let's come back and do go through the process that it's exciting to be that kind of a resource for growth on on both sides right and and helping them we had one company that we worked with early on that was struggling to find somebody they did interview after interview and were it probably a year in and just couldn't find the right fit for them they come through our internship program and actually that first round they didn't get any interns because the process uh, none of the students really wanted to be there and so after that we like sat down with the uh, 
CTO there and we were like, okay, I think we need to talk about your interview process. And so we helped him, like we gave him some tips, we got feedback from our students and helped him fix that problem because it turned out that the, the practice of, of hiring was so cold and not welcoming and that he wasn't even really giving a good glimpse of what the company was like to work there. Mm. And so we helped him kind of see that. And the next time around, he ended up hiring two students from the program through the internship program. And then a year later came back for more when they were ready to hire. And That's so it's awesome. been a really cool experience to kind of help companies not just find talent, but help them in the process of hiring and doing it in a way that's going to allow them to build a diverse team and get different types of people in there. That's been really cool. Almost no one has ever had a class on how to give an interview, right? right. We mostly just draw from our experience having had a couple interviews. <laughs> um, and the number of times when students or alumni are headed into an interview and the person they're interviewing, it's their first interview that they've ever, con you know, conducted. And so I think that um, being able to, to talk to companies that, you know, maybe you're struggling and say, hey, you know, maybe there's something going on with your process that we can talk about, right? Like, oh, you throw harder and harder whiteboard challenges at the person you're interviewing until they cry because you want to find where their breaking point is. So maybe we can find another way to figure out what someone's breaking point is by instead of actually breaking them during the interview, <laughs> right? Like let's let's you know try and solve that process differently, mm -hmm. and and so that's been really a cool um, side part of the the thing, you know, sort of outside of the scope of the in the classroom piece, but really an important yeah. part of building those partnerships. Well, it's helping the the our eventual goal of like helping to shape the community at large that like. If we are training people that are from different backgrounds and are, are a really diverse group and used to working in this very like collaborative and inclusive space, if they're then going into these interviews where the people there don't know how to interview for that kind of job, then then, then that's a, a plug in the funnel that isn't going to allow us to like really grow the communities. So I think that what we've seen is that we have to help companies in that area in order for our students to be successful. And so for us, it became a really important part of the journey that if companies aren't changing the way that they are hiring, then they aren't going to be open to the kinds of people that we are training. And so we needed to be a part of that process. And I think that I'm excited as we grow to like continue that kind of work to make it so that companies are more open and more inclusive and more collaborative in their hiring process to help them reshape their teams. Yeah, I think it's interesting to see, especially companies that aren't the traditional developer shop type companies um, or groups in companies that aren't that way. Like, you know, for example, we have several alumni that work at Intuit as part of the design team and the design team you know, talk to us about the fact that they needed really technical people, but they have a hard time doing it because they're not the main engineering focus, right? They're not one of the developer groups, they're the design group. And so their ability to bring folks that have a design background, have gone through the LEARN program to have enough technical expertise to, to really be boots on the ground and do the that sort of intersection between the two, empowers that team to move forward in a way that they couldn't move forward with a traditional program, right? Like you, they right. need both. You'd have to find only hire people with dual degrees, which is pretty rare, right? And so like that, that difference is really, really valuable. Um, and it's cool to see, you know, a group that has struggled with that hiring, like suddenly kind of unlock this new market. Um, even in a company that often, like if you go to HR at Intuit, often they will tell you that they don't hire bootcamp grads. You're like, really? I don't want to tattle on anybody, but uh, <laughs> you, you might look into that. <laughs> you have at least four there. <laughs> yeah. So I think that that's really cool to see companies sort of changing their song there a little bit, and the the perspectives changing. And that's the you know, well, that's the industry as a whole is is broadening and becoming more diverse, and we've been focused on that for more than ten years. So uh, yeah, I think that uh, our our community is a is a huge part of that. Well, I think right. that, you know, if we can help hasten the death of the whiteboard technical challenge, that that will help everybody. That, that, you know, it's the boogeyman under the bed of every junior developer, and that ultimately uh, it's not the right way to find out whether somebody can code, is to ask them if they've memorized some algorithm, uh, and if they can draw it on a whiteboard. Right.
One of it, before we, I don't know if we're headed in a different direction, before we move away yeah. of, of our internship partners, one of the things that I thought of when we were talking that I'm um, really happy to see is that first company where you and I met is an internship partner now of Learn, and so and they've got two of our alumni working there. So to you know be still contributing to their success and their growth is, is pretty exciting to me. You but just say that because you have stock. <laughs> <laughs> I think my favorite part about that story is that they came back to us just through like a web contact form, not knowing that it was us that right. did yeah. it. And and I was the one that got the email and I'm talking with them, not knowing that they were the company that you guys met at. And so he and I were like having this separate conversation and all of a sudden I was like, hey Rob, I'm talking to so-and-so, what do you think about them? And that just like opened the door of like, oh, <laughs> they have a longer history with us than I think they even Realize. Right. It was good. And it's really great to reconnect with people that you've worked with in the past yeah. and see them in different places doing different things. And so that part's been really cool just to, to watch what everyone's doing and to be so central to the community. Cool. So why don't we, you know, talk? I think <laughs> this is a good exercise for us to do. Uh, why don't we talk about the our future? Where do you guys see Learn going? What are you excited about? Rob's making a funny face. <laughs> <laughs> Just trying to come up with an answer that isn't um, silly. Right. That's Well, Learn has such roots now that I think that, um, you know, building off of the community that we've spent a lot of time talking about here uh, is we have a lot of lot of options and, and what can we do to further the success of our alumni and to bring more people into that fold I think are our our goals uh, as a company going forward how do we how do we how can we be more effective at growing uh, technology in San Diego uh, and for me you know that we spent a lot of time talking about that um, and Chelsea, I, uh, I think that's a, a, you have the best answer for it, and so I, I don't want to give your answer, but I'm really <laughs> excited about where we're going um, in, in solving that second, the second problem that, that folks face. We're like, Learn is great for how do you get into the technology space, but there are still some really real and hard challenges to become successful and become a lifelong career change and to, to, to really get solid feet on the ground. And so I think there's lots of opportunities there. Yeah, I've been looking at the problem of, you know, okay, there's not enough software developers. So boot camps come on, they create a ton of software developers. They're all junior developers. Now there's not enough mentors for those junior developers. And so the historical average is that it takes about 10 years to go from junior developer to senior developer. Right, which if over the span of a 30-year career, that's not bad. But you know that, that that time is too long for the world we live in right now. And for the need that's out there, for the, the amount of senior developers that are gonna be needed in 10 years, right? So you know, I don't think we've solved even the junior problem yet. They're still mm -hmm. saying that demand is out, gonna outstrip the growth there. But even, and by they I mean like government studies still show that you know, there are more software developer jobs in 10 years than there are software developers, even with all these changes. But that fundamentally, we're going to need to find ways to, to shorten that time. You can't eliminate experience. Experience matters. But if we can find something to reduce the time frame, if we can take that 10-year arc and make it five years make on Make that experience count, right? Make it more valuable than than going down dead end after dead end. Road. Well, condense yeah. it, right? Yeah, condense you know, it. And fundamentally, yeah. like, help people have a more clear path. Because, you know, if it's 10-year average, and, you know, some people it's four years, and some people it's 20 years, right? Mm -hmm. And so, like, how do we help those outliers get more in line with the average? How do we make the people who, you know, could do it in five but get distracted by life, like, do it in five consistently? And you know that that will then be that sort of the next wave for learners. That 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 place of acceleration is really matters. Really matters. Right. Um, and then what's cool about that is it means that we get a chance to uh, hang out with people we already know as part of that process, which is exciting because um, we love catching up with the alumni. But also to bring in people from other places, so folks that have gone through a traditional program, gone through another boot camp. 
Um, like we get people right. that ask us all the time if they can just buy into our internship program, which <laughs> we don't do because we have to guarantee the quality of that uh, person's education. It's hard to do that just meeting them. Um, mm -hmm. But I think that that finding an avenue for that is is really valuable. And because the thing we hear from our partners is that it's still really hard to hire people. Um, and so, you know, finding a way to sort of share the love there, I think is really important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really understand, I guess. For me, it, it's been a really awesome learning experience of like where the sticking points really are for the people that are hiring. And we have, now that we have this amazing pool of uh, junior developers out there, mid-level and even some seniors out there that we have the people, where is really the sticking point and how can we help companies kind of get past that so that they have the funnel that they need? Because I, I, I agree with Rob, from the beginning we've wanted Learn to be a place that we are not just helping you get into this career, but we're helping you throughout your career. That like, I, we have always wanted to be the place where alumni come back for their second or third job, that they're like, okay, I'm ready to learn more, I'm ready to grow. And we've been, you know, dabbling with different types of programs and like figuring out what that is. But I think that, you know, finding this combination of working with companies to help them fix where the problem is that it, that if we know that there's talent out there but the company is saying there's no talent out there there's a problem somewhere right, right. like we know that that there are people out there that can do the jobs they're trying to hire and so to me there's some kind of sticking point that I think we can help companies to do that better and I think in turn will then help them to with some of the other problems in you know diversity and things like that that helping them to bring in different people. Right, and so right. It is a problem that it is, like hiring as a process is gross, right? Like if you're trying to hire people, you get a bunch of resumes that don't line up with what you're asking for. There's this constant arms race between, like if I ask for five years of experience, everyone who submits their resume sends me two years of experience. So next time I ask for 10 years of experience and then everybody submits, you know, has three years of experience. And you know, if I really want two years, I put five years, and so like that just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. Well, and like if I if I fill out the job rec at a you know medium sized company, and I say okay, I need two years of JavaScript, I give it to my boss. My boss says, well, if he wants two years, then we'll do four years. That's better than two. And then that goes to HR, and they go, well, Java sounds like JavaScript. We'll put two years of Java and four years <laughs> of JavaScript. So there's like this inflation that happens in the job rec, and that's before we even start the process. Not to mention that interviewing with companies generally makes people feel about as small as possible. Right. Right? That you go to an interview, you don't hear anything back ever, or you hear people, you send off resumes, you never, it's like a black hole. And so it makes you feel as le least confident as possible. But to be successful in an interview, you need to be your most confident, most confident version of yourself, your first date self, yeah. right? You know, yeah. and that, that like, the, the process itself, like, grinds away at you and makes that harder and harder to do. So there's still a ton of friction there, a lot of inefficiency. And I go to meetups all the time where I'll talk to three or four people that say there's no developer jobs, and three to four people that say they can't hire developers fast enough. And I'm like, do you guys want right. to hang out maybe and, that's and the, talk about that? That's the neat part of where we are kind of at the intersection of developers and, and industry is that when we, you know, we've focused for, for the last four years on building um, tools for developers to become better developers and become uh, competent out there and and this looking towards the future and, and really growing those uh, industry connections and tools for business to solve their problems only helps our community and alumni and so they're, they're, we're at the intersection and, and we grow together and everybody benefits yeah. right? it's a rising tide for for everybody and that's not the normal uh, company you know employee relationship and I think that that that's changing not only in our industry but across all of all of business and so uh, you know we're doing our part to, to make both of those sides have a better time hiring and finding great people and being being the right person for a job is a is a really great spot for learn well I say one of the things I love about learn as a concept is that uh, there is that customer alignment right yeah it, like our customers getting exactly what they want and being as successful as possible makes learn successful 
There's no right. trade-off there. There's no like we get more if you get less kind of thing. Um, the more successful our students are, the more successful our alumni are in industry over time, the more successful learning is. And then right. I love being in a business that everything everybody can win, right? Everybody yeah. can be along. And the more success that business has hiring right. creates more success for us and for students and everybody. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, and I think it, it's a little bit of going back to kind of talking about the companies and what Rob was saying about the years of experience and when you're training people or when you're hiring people and you want so many years of experience, I think that there's a change of mindset that needs to happen there because the big problem is is that Rob's five years of experience versus Matt's five years of experience versus my five years of experience is totally different. And so just by putting it out there that you need a certain amount of years is, right. is the wrong conversation when hiring. And so I understand that, you, you know, with companies you want that checklist of like, oh, if I can just check off all these boxes, I will find the perfect employee. But that's not true, yeah. that you could find somebody that comes to the interview that has checked every single box off, but is the total wrong person for that job. Right. And so we think that the conversation in hiring needs to be less about, oh, I need this many years of experience and more about what people have done and what they're doing and what they're experiences and what they can bring to your team and how they can make your team more successful and therefore your company more successful, that that's the kind of ex, you know experience and hiring that I, I think we need to change in the way that we in the way that we hire people. Yeah. Well cultural fit is such a big part of the hiring process. It always cracks me up when students are almost upset after an interview because they're like they spent the whole time talking about like who I am and like what are my hobbies and like am I cool <laughs> and it's like yeah they're gonna work with you every day like having you fit in on the team is really valuable and really important they know what your baseline skills are they've hired from learn alumni before they know like that that baseline mm -hmm. and so or maybe they haven't but they've hired junior developers right right and so like that expectation level is you know sort of this simple baseline once you clear that it's about like who's gonna be like the right person who's going to help us be look at things from a different perspective who's going to help us you know um, connect with our customers more directly like right. what, whatever the thing is that that company needs it, so yeah it isn't often the interviews don't spend a lot of time on the technical skills they spend more time on on fit or that they shouldn't that well, a lot of times they often they, don't right that i think that you know finding we talk to students a lot that it's not just about the companies hiring interviewing you but you also interviewing them that them asking you hey are you cool in these certain ways uh, you should be asking the same things right because you as a person are going to be spending every day with these people and you don't want to hate it and that you want to be successful in your job and that doing some like introspection of like who I am and how I work and how I communicate understanding those going into interviews is is important because they that's the way that you're going to be successful right I think that to go back to what you said earlier about Notche not having a hiring problem and being fairly unique and that's because we stopped asking the question how much experience you have and started asking the question how successful are you going to be here and we have that relationship with our with our alumni and with our students to be able to get a pretty solid answer at that that's not boiled down to one number like years of experience it's no. there's so many more factors that go into that that are important and, and I think that's why Nachet has been successful there yeah for sure cool well as we wrap up is there something that you would advice you would give to any students coming in or it really anyone that's wanting to kind of get into the industry uh, learn aside just what kind of uh, thoughts would you give them? I think my biggest advice would be do your homework and, and um, talk to as many people as you possibly can. There's lots of options out there um, and lots of ways to learn and get into this industry. And uh, I think boot camps are a great option, but you know there are others. And so make sure that you're making uh, the right choices. And 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 we talked a lot about personality fits and things like that in companies, but it also makes a difference the philosophy of the the school that you attend. Do, do you align with 
their ideas and their philosophy and, and their community. Is, is, it, is community important to you? Then find um, a, a, a boot camp like Learn Where Community Is Everything. If, if you're more into uh, you know, some other goal, then um, you know, look at those as well. Uh, yeah, I would, I would echo what Matt said, but I think that for me, the advice I give to people that are just starting out, just starting to think about what they want to do is to, to play online a little bit and, you know, there's plenty of free things you can do um, and see if you get the bug for it. Um, this industry is really exciting and there's a lot of fun stuff happening, but it, if you hate it, you're still going to hate it. And so, like, it's okay to decide it's not the right thing for you, but for, you know, so often we hear... People say, oh, I don't know anything about programming. I've only spent, you know, 500 hours doing codeschool.com. It's like, well, then you don't not know anything. You know, even if it's even if it's 10 hours or five hours, that's still something. And so that having some idea of whether this is something that, that's interesting to you, it's, that's a small step you could take that has no barriers, right? That's very low entry. Um, and that that, that often will awaken in people a passion for something they didn't know that they wanted to do. And that that's, that's a really cool thing to me. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for hanging out with me, guys. Thank you. Oh, that was, was fun. fun.